I'm Sarah Vine and this is Sarah Vine's Female Half Hour from Mel Plus. I am joined this week as every week by my friend and co-host Imogen Edwards-Jones coming up on today's show. Prince Andrew. Do I need to say anything else? No, no just Prince Andrew. An inquiry into what has been called one of the worst miscarriages of British justice began this week. We speak to one of the victims of the terrible post office IT scandal about how it affected her life. That's a terrible story. Mm-hmm. And finally, apparently blushes are back. Hooray! Our beauty guru, (laughs) Hannah Betts, is going to give us the tips on this post-COVID look that embraces the rouge. Anyway, but before all that, how has your week been, Imogen? I've been in Wales, where the rain has been horizontal. Nice, nice. Mm. And you've been with teenagers. Teenagers are just awful. Mm, They are. I think anybody wanting to have children should be made to have to spend half an hour with one of my teenagers, (laughs) and then they will never want to have children ever again. Uh, yes, well, that's the joy of half term. Is I don't really understand half term. The well, term's just, only just got going. It's just done to annoy parents. It basically. is, isn't it? What are you supposed to do in half term? Well, I think it's the teachers saying quite rightly, "Look, we've had enough of these brats. You have can them. have them for a week. Good. Yes. We're going to go off and you know sit on a beach or yes. go skiing. Go skiing. There's yes. a lot of skiing. Um, I what I learned brilliantly this week is about uh, new woke terms. Oh, yes. Very and, good. And which I've learnt, so instead of being cross or angry, which is, I think, what you need to really embrace now, it's called an empty resilience bucket. Oh, that teacher. <laughs> yes, yes. There's that teacher who won't let her children eat meat at school yes, because of one. the planet. Yeah. It's, it's an empty resilience, resilience bucket. bucket. <laughs> so this week I've been experiencing quite a lot of an empty resilience bucket. That's what's happened to me this week. In the face of half term, there's been a lot of empty resilience yes. bucketing, bucketing <laughs> I, going I, on. I'd like to quite pour a, pour a bucket of resi- empty resilience <laughs> over my son's head exactly. and then shove it on there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, no, I love him really, obviously. Yes. He's delightful and so all of his friends you've made a rod for your own back and having I know, friends I know. as well i know i know he's he's got friends and they, they are actually really sweet i'm but sure they are, they are but they do just i it's just like they don't understand what they do to their environment mm. they can just walk through a room and it, pollute it, it <laughs> i don't understand how it happens it's just a mystery to me how this happens anyway so uh that's been my week but thank God I'm back in the office. I know. What a relief. I mean, we've battled Eunice or Debbie, whatever it's called, whatever to get here. storm's called. Yes, yes, the lights keep flickering. Yeah. Prince Andrew has skirted a very public and potentially humiliating trial by reaching a settlement deal with his accuser, Virginia Schwiffray. Mm-hmm. Is that how I say it? I don't Who cares? Um, so anyway, the settlement is said to be worth 12... <laughs> the settlement is said to be worth 12 million pounds and the Queen is apparently going to contribute of those millions. Anyway, it's been speculated that the palace was keen to put an end to the scandal before the Queen's Jubilee celebrations later this year. I mean, I personally think they should have just gone to court. But anyway, mm. joining me now is Ingrid Seward, Royal Biographer and Editor-in-Chief of Majesty Magazine. Ingrid, thanks for joining us. Do you think this was the right choice for Andrew? Imogen and I aren't convinced. No. I think he was right to settle. Right. And the reason is because it was just every day there was a drip, drip, drip of gossip mm. um, about this court case and, you know, and the photograph and the deposition and her lawyers and his lawyers. And uh, it, was, it was becoming very damaging to the monarchy. And the Queen always said, and I remember years and years ago when there was the War of the Waleses. Yes. And every day there was a story front page usually about Charles and Diana and she was doing one thing and he was doing another. And it, it just sort of took over everything. It even took over business of the government. 
Mm. And the Queen said, this has got to stop. And I think in this case, it may not have been the Queen, it may have been Prince Charles, but I think either one of them said, look, or both of them, this has got to stop. It's too damaging. Is it actually £12 million as well? We don't know if it's £12 million. Mm. It could be more. Mm. Uh, it, 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 the trouble is the figures that have been bounded around are supposition. Nobody knows. I mean, eventually we'll probably know how much money was paid to Virginia Giuffre's charity because mm. we'll see that in the charity accounts. Mm. But I don't think we'll know ever know how much that, that Andrew had to pay you know, uh, uh, you know, to get out of this, if you like. I mean, the thing is that I think that this is, I personally think it's a bit different from the War of the Wales, and I, I agree with what you say, but I think that this is, I think we live in a different time, and I don't think that you can buy your way out of these situations anymore. I don't think this will end. I still don't think it will end. Mm. Because she's, is she, has she has she signed any sort of... Non-disclosure. Cease or and desist or non-disclosure. I mean, is she going to stop, or do you think she's going to just... You know, I just don't think it draws a line under it at all. What it does is it says, I'm a rich person who's in trouble and I'm going to throw some money at this problem and make it go away. And that's not a good look for the monarchy. Mm. I don't think people necessarily think that Andrew's guilty because he's made this payment or, you know, he's been, you know, forced to make this payment. I think he actually wanted his day in court, but I also mm. feel that his lawyers didn't want to risk that. Yeah, mm. yeah. I mean, the, the, the weird thing was, it looked like the tide was beginning to turn a couple of weeks ago towards him a bit because, you know, the idea that the photograph, the content, you know, the that had gone missing, there were doubts beginning to be raised about the photograph, the fact that, you know, she was photographed now Naomi with Naomi Campbell at a party. In the same outfit. In the same outfit. Yeah. And if you look closely, there was, you know, a bit of her blue coat was visible between Andrew and and Prince Andrew and her. And, um, you know, there was, there was sort of, I felt that the the tom-toms were, were moving on a bit. And it seemed a weird time to to capitulate. Why do you think they did it now rather than waiting a bit, li- bit longer? But I quite agree with you. It was very weird timing. But I just think that the lawyers, uh, his lawyers and her lawyers came to agreement and it, they, they were going to settle out of court anyway, I think, because apparently 95% of these kind of cases, not that there's anything exactly like this, they settle on the courtroom steps in America. Well, this and is the I thing. I think this is... see the point of dragging it out to them. But mm. I think this is a problem also with the American justice system. No one ever gets a proper trial. No one ever gets to look... It's just the lawyers just agree a deal between them. It's bit, you know, And it's all very shady. And, and, and I just... Now, I think when when it's something as serious as this, and these accusations are really properly serious, I think it needs to be forensically examined in court. Mm. And I just think it's wrong to just have this have these lawyers go, okay, if you give me X amount, then we'll shut up. But it also looks just like she was basically after money all along rather than any yeah. form of justice. Hmm. I, I agree. I completely agree with you. Uh, but I think Andrew did want his day in court. Mm. I know that sort of people always say that, you know, oh, I want my, I'm looking forward to my day in court. That's a sort of expression that they use. But I think he genuinely did. And I think he genuinely wanted to clear his name. Yeah. He's, just, he's just bungled everything at every moment. What, what do you think he's going to do now then, Ingrid? Well, I think that, that Prince Andrew, what, what he's going to do, we don't know. But I think what he should do mm. is disappear for right. a bit. Yeah. The thing that really worries me a little bit is that he still doesn't quite get it and that he thinks he can reinvent himself. 
Mm. Yeah, no, he can't do that. And, and he really can't. No, he's absolutely finished. I mean, this has finished him off, I think, properly. Do you think, I, you know, I think people have got quite short memories, no? Well, I mean, certainly in the short term, I think he needs to, yeah. as, as, as Ingrid says, I think he just needs to go and take a long vacation, mm. as they used to say. Yes. Yes. It'll be well, interesting to see what leave, happens yes. next, don't you think? I think it'll be interesting well, to I see. Hopefully Fergie will step up mm. and, you know, and kind of really, really help him. And I think... This is one of the reasons that the Queen is so fond of Fergie, because she does kind of look after Andrew. Yes. And, and you know, he certainly stood by her when she had her many, many disasters. And he, he was very loyal to her. And now now it's flipped over and it's her turn to be loyal to him. Yes. Mm. And he don't forget they've got those two lovely girls as well. And I just feel I think everybody feels desperately sad for the girls. Mm, mm. Yeah. Gosh, interesting. Well, thank you, Ingrid. I mean, I think this is going to rumble on for a bit longer. I don't think I don't think they've knocked on the head with their twelve million. No, actually, I do oh. agree with you on that. I think it oh, will no. rumble on. I can't Lovely bear to it. talk to you. Lovely to talk to you. And um, thank you very much, Ingrid. Thank you so much. That was Ingrid Seward, editor in chief of Majesty Magazine and Royal Biographer. You are listening to The Female Half Hour with me, Sarah Vine, and Imogen Edwards-Jones. You can visit mailplus.co.uk slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces, and more. And if you want to get in touch, you can tweet us at mailplus at WestminsterWag or Imogen at Imogen EJ. Victims of the post office IT scandal will be heard in a long-awaited inquiry into what has been called the worst miscarriage of justice in the UK history, in UK history. Gosh. This is why I want to do this. Mm, this is a horrific mm. story. I agree. Yeah. Tracy Felstead is one of the victims who will be speaking at the inquiry. Uh, Tracy is a former sub-postmaster who was wrongly jailed at the age of 19 mm. after being accused of stealing over £11,000. And she joined us on the line now. Hi, Tracy. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this. I, I find this story just makes me so angry. It's the ultimate computer says no nightmare. Mm. And the idea that you had to go to jail at the end of 19 because of some computer error just fills me with sort of rage. And um, I just want to know, you know, I just wanted to talk to you about how it's changed your life and how you are now, really. I'm doing okay at the moment, but it's taken its toll over the years. Obviously, last year we were, you know, over the moon that our convictions were overturned. But obviously now it's the process now up to kind of finding out why this happened and who knew so yeah the, hopefully the inquiry will find that out and how how old are you now tracy i'm nearly 40 so this has really dominated your life yeah so it'll be 20 years this year 20 years in june that i got sent to prison and mm. can you remember that time and how long were you in prison for i can remember it some some things i remember vividly some things i don't but that's because you kind of bury a lot of it, mm. trying not to remember. But through therapy, I've been able to process that. I was sentenced to six months in Holloway Prison. God. Gosh, that's So I did three months in Holloway Prison and then three months on tag. Right. Mm. Okay. And what was it like, actually, in Holloway Prison? Your worst nightmare. It's horrible. Absolutely horrible. You were with murderers, you know, people that, there was a variety of different people in there. But it to me, it wasn't somewhere where a 19-year-old girl should be, mm, and yeah. especially when you're innocent. Mm. Um, and I, rem- I remember the governor of the wing actually saying to me, what, what is a girl like you doing here? 
Yeah, mm. obviously, because um, if you were, presumably you were already in a, I mean, my daughter's almost 19, mm. and I, I can't imagine what it must have been like for you if you are a, a straight up non-criminal person and you end up in that sort of situation. Mm. I just, it's I just, scary. Heartbreaking. Mm. But also it's that weird betrayal of, because if you've always thought that, that the justice system was just, the idea that you are in an unjust position mm. must have been very... Um, almost sort of untenable and discombobulating in a weird way, the idea that, that you know that you didn't do this, and yet here you are. It must have been a very weird feeling. Yeah, I mean, even when you're, when you're in there and you're talking to people, generally, if you're, if you're a newcomer, as they would call it, you're going to get people asking what you're there for. Mm. And even when you explain your story and... I remember saying to a girl, you know, um, this is what I'm here for, but I didn't do the crime. And she said, none of us did. Exactly. You can't even protest your innocence when you're in there. It's, mm. You know, it's, it's really kind of scary. But it, yeah, it's, it's not a place for a young girl that hasn't committed a crime. No. Um, Absolutely. And, and how did your, did you, were your parents around? Did they help you? Yeah, I mean, I managed to, to keep going through my family support that was on the outside so writing letters home, every day I would have a letter from somebody, you know, whether that would be my grandmother, my partner, my mum and dad. So that really, really kept you going. Um, and for me, that was the biggest thing to, to write and to make sure that I had that contact mm. because there was only a certain amount of time where you could actually phone home. At, at what point did you realise that you weren't alone in this miscarriage of justice, the fact that there were 700 other people with you in this because that must have been a sort of moment where you could actually take a breath and think mm. um, it's not just me mm. yeah I mean I think even when I came out of prison you just try to block everything and you try to bury it because you've you've done that you've been accused of that crime and you've done as they would say you've done the time and I was away with my partner and my children and my dad had actually contacted us we were in Greece and my dad contacted us and said he'd just watched something on the TV about the Horizon system being 40. Um, and it was James Arbuthnot that, was, that had done a, um, something on the TV and that I needed to investigate it when I was home. Well, obviously, at that stage, I was like, I need to investigate this more now because it was playing on my mind because actually there are other innocent people out there. And that had become common knowledge at that stage that, there were other people that, you know, were saying, well, actually, we've been prosecuted for something we hadn't done. So when I got home, I investigated and obviously I found out about the JFSA. So it was it was around about 2015, I think it was, that everything started to really sort of move forward for me. And it really goes from there. But before that, we didn't have anything. It was, you know, just like when I was up for trial, if you've got nothing to go with, how can how can you protest your innocence? Yeah, but I mean, I mean, presumably the the, the post office pr prosecuted you, and and what evidence did they show? But it was literally um, they had found no money. They had access yeah. to um, bank accounts, so even though I was charged with theft, there was no evidence of me having that money. Um, it was my signature on the paperwork. That was that was it. That was it. 
because yeah. because it was a computer system. So if you had stolen the money via the computer system, it would have had to have been transferred electronically, presumably mm. into your accounts, because it wasn't like you were uh, so. So not only were you a fraudster, but you were brilliant at fraud. <laughs> Age nineteen. Well, it's you know, um, I mean, they they made sure all the way through. I was never. I know some of the sub postmasters were asked given a plea bargain. Mm. That was never given to me. Um, but I was I was very set from day one. Um, I'm not pleading guilty to something I haven't done. No, right. Mm. And that that kind of went against me in court because when I was actually found guilty and the jury couldn't find me guilty at first so they had to take a majority it was really hard to defend yourself so when when you were doing that and then all of a sudden you've got this big company saying to the world that you're guilty that you know you're a thief you're this everybody just thinks that because they trust the brand. They trust it's the post office. Yes, exactly. It's the post office. And of course, the thing is, as you say, if the jury wasn't sort of completely unanimous, presumably they just they might have just felt pressure to just convict on the basis that. And you I know, think it was really hard. Uh, I mean, I know that we had asked for evidence, we had asked for certain documentation during my trial that wasn't given. But how can you defend yourself if, if you don't know what the problem is? No, quite. Is? But also, I mean, let's remember, this, this, you're a 19-year-old mm. at this stage. So this must have presumably happened when you were a bit younger, 18. I mean, this is... Was whole, it your first job? This whole process. It for, was my first job, yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. My first job. So the whole process of this for an 18, 19-year-old to have to deal with, to have to get yourself lawyers, to have to defend yourself... I yeah. mean, just horrendous at that age. I mean, just inconceivable. I can't... I mean, I could barely remember my own name when I was must, that must age. Must have been Awful. physically really ill most of the time. I, I mean, and has it affected you? Do, I mean, I mean, I, I don't want to ask personal questions, but did it cause depression or, or any sort of... Yeah, I mean, I tried to um, take my own life twice when the actual... Um, <sighs> sorry. Well, no, it's fine. When I mean, the, when, when it was actually happening and I was being prosecuted and I was going through the motions of court and mm. everything like that, I actually tried to take my life twice. I'm so sorry. It, mm. No, I mean, it's, um, it's okay to talk about it now. Um, and luckily I'm here today to, to actually tell it. Um, unlike some people, Yeah. but yeah, it, it, it's taken its toll. It's made me the person I am today but I don't want to be that person no. I don't want to be the one that's scared of doors closing or scared of doing something wrong just in case you're penalized for it or you know everybody is allowed to make mistakes but I am so scared of making a mistake I completely I you've could, just totally lost what, trust with I, everything I would just yeah be, mm. yeah I would I completely understand I would mm. just be so worried the whole time mm. that it mm. was going to happen again yeah so what so what's happening now then is there now that the I post hope you're going to get an awful lot of money, money. Yes, I'm thinking yes <laughs> well it's worse I mean, miscarriage <laughs> of justice so what's what have what have they said are oh, there 700 people suing the post office what's what's happening so a lot, a lot of it is confidential at the moment um, as to what's happening. But, I mean, I'm going to give evidence at Sir, for, to Sir Wynn next Friday. Mm. Um, I'm doing my impact statement next Friday. And I just hope that actually the post office, the government, they all sort of look at this and think, actually, now's the time to do right. So do you think you'll get some sort of closure? I know that's a really overused <laughs> word, but some sort of closure at wow. the end of... This would be a good I'm thing, no? To. I'm, mm. I, I am hoping to. I mean, 
I'm doing a lot through therapy, which is which is helping me. You know, I revisited Holloway Prison to try and close that door. So, you know, I don't think the trauma will ever go away and it'll always be with me because it's a part of me. It's, it happened to me and it's something that you can't just erase. But hopefully, once we know who did what, why, then hopefully we can we can draw a line under this. And hopefully if somebody is held accountable, and I don't think it's just one person. So, you know, the people need to be held accountable and then we can kind of move on with our lives. Do you think those people should go to jail? Oh, that's a difficult one. <laughs> Sometimes I do think, you know, that that should happen. But actually, it's a, it's a really horrible place. And me personally, I would rather see them stripped of everything they have, like their homes. Let them understand what it was like. I just think at the age that some of the people are now and, you know, what what is prison going to do? Mm. But... Mm. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Very difficult. Well, thank you so much thank for talking you, yeah. to us and good luck no, next week. No, thank you for having me on. Um, thank good you. luck next week. And, and, and we wish all of you a bit of bit of good karma. <laughs> yes. <laughs> bit of, <laughs> yeah. bit of payback. Anyway, yeah. take care. Thank you very much, Tracy. Thank Thanks you ever so much. Thank Bye. you. Bye-bye. Bye. That was Tracy Felsed, one of the 700 victims of the post office IT scandal. Can you imagine when you're 19 that happening Awful. to you? But is that sort of... Because you know when you watch a film... Yeah, and, it's that and, awful Kafkaesque scenario yeah, where you realise that... There's nothing you can do about that situation. Yeah, it's yeah. like, that's the total loss of trust yeah. of everything. Because yeah. you always think, in the end, it'll be fine. Yeah. Because it always is, in no. the movies or whatever. In the end, yeah. you know, the good guy always wins. Yeah. And in the end, these guys didn't. What an extraordinary story mm. that is. Mm. It is time to update our beauty routine once again. Actually, to be honest, that happens hourly with me. Hourly? Yeah, well, yeah, I'm because I'm so old now. <laughs> Gone are the nude foundations and sharp contouring because blush is back. And Hannah Betts, the Daily Mail's beauty guru, is here to fill us in. Adja, I always worn blusher. I hate blusher. I love blusher. I hate blusher. Oh, wait, wait, I can't cope. This is, this is a debate <laughs> no, I already. Often, I often just wear nothing except blusher. What? Yeah, it's really good. What for? Because it makes me look less dead. You just look like you've you've had a hot flush. <laughs> Drink Hannah, too much Hannah, red Hannah, wine. Hannah, can I just before we talk about blusher? Can I just say I listened to your podcast. Uh, Another one? No, she did a podcast for this podcast called Uncanny. Oh, what's that? About the ghost in her house. Oh, okay. And Get it was involved, Imogen. Sorry, and it God, was sorry. so <laughs> brilliant. It was so brilliant. Listeners, if you have a chance, listen to Hannah talking about... Can I say, it's all true. I know it's true, because mm. I remember you telling me about it. Yeah. So You've written it about terrifying. it before, haven't you? Yeah, yeah it, 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 was, it was a long time ago. It was when I was um, 16, and obviously I'm 4004 now, but it did go on for 30 mm. years, because mm. obviously my parents, being maniacs and goths, <laughs> stayed in our profoundly haunted house with a ghost trying to kill us yes. in the end the ghost just sort of gave up and became a friend <laughs> oh, that's um, hilarious but, it's mean, ruined and, the and my father died in the house so presumably he's a ghost there now too <laughs> so just, having a just chat. in case any listeners aren't completely up to speed with what we're wobbling on about so it's hannah did a brilliant podcast which is a bbc podcast called uncanny and i love listening to ghost stories and stuff so i listen to it and it's brilliant and it's it's this guy and he does all these sort of crazy ghost stories and uh, and hannah did one about her hand haunted house in birmingham mm. which is the last place in the world that you think would be having a, a ghost a in ghost. birmingham <laughs> <laughs> anyway it happens 
<laughs> and um, and it's brilliant because it really was very scary. And Hannah has written about it, Hannah Betts, in case you want to look it up. Um, but what I did love was the fact that, as you say, your parents did not move out of the house and no, suddenly no. lived there with a, with clearly a maniacal ghost, which was sort of trying, you know, haunting lavatories and annoying things like that. That's and hilarious. Best, and I do uh, love the know. idea that it just gave up. <laughs> just basically well, went. it was very British. We just we just clung on in there, ignoring it, stiff up the lip and all that. And um, yeah, but uh, in the end, it was quite comforting. But you sold you the know, house, but presumably when your parents died. Did yes, the p- there was a difficult moment when, having written about it, yes. um, one of the people trying to buy it uh, said, uh, I had to have a conversation where they said, but is it a demon? <laughs> and I had to say, well, it's not exactly a demon, but um, yeah. So yes, Danny Robbins' Uncanny Podcast. Yes. Was, it, was it just permanently cold in your house then? Because ghosts, when ghosts arrived, apparently well, the temperature no, there drops. Was, there was one room which was so frightening that Hannah's mother it locked, locked the door. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Couldn't and that, happen in London because you'd have a whole family of six in there. Well, that's what I say. But I'm very profligate with her rooms. <laughs> but, but do the current, do the current owners, do the current owners, do you, are you in touch with them? Do they have any issues? I'm not, and I've tried to be very respectful of the fact that they may, you, you know, I don't mention in the podcast. I don't say where it was exactly mm. and that kind of thing because I don't want them to feel that they have to that you know we're the ghosts now. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. tormenting yes. them. Um, but I, yeah, so I genuinely don't know. But the people before us had had problems. Mm. And now there are all sorts of nice um, Americans and people all over the world uh, sort of researching things for me, uh, whether I want it or not. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, oh, yes, because they've heard the podcast. Yeah. And they're getting all involved. Very exciting. And yes. they sort of. Um, you know, tracked it down. So I had a cousin who was a Catholic priest who used to do exorcisms and cleared cleared houses. That's what he used to do. Well, we couldn't do that because we were atheists, but that might have been, um, yeah, that that, that might have helped. My rotund tubby cousin could have turned up. I do love the idea of your ghost sort of getting slightly depressed after 20 years of desperate haunting, sort of sitting rather grumpily in the corner thinking, these people are never going. I mean, it, it used to have a go at visitors. Fresh blood, yes. <laughs> These people are never. I've done all my tricks. I used to get. I had. I have had several ghostly experiences, and one oh of them God. was when I was staying at a house, and I think that I was the visitor, and I think the various ghosts oh. got very excited and had a sort of ghost party. Yeah, a lightning yeah, rod for fun. They love a yeah. bit of that, don't they? Yes. I mean, visitors are so impressionable. Yes. Um, whereas we were a bit relaxed. Yes, they got. They sort of got out the big guns, you know, and yeah. all the sort of general. But anyway, nice listen, for them. we're not okay. supposed to be talking about ghosts no, at all. We, oh, back to blusher. <laughs> no, rouge. blusher. Back rouge. to blusher. Okay, rouge. Right. So, now, t- I, I, have a little, I have a little rhyme from TikTok. Oh, go on. Oh. Yes, go on. Gorgeous, gorgeous girls always over blush. Gorgeous, gorgeous girls always in a rush. There we are. And that's what you do when you dab <laughs> blusher on your cheek. I'm not doing that, Hannah. No, <laughs> sorry. No. I don't even because I don't have children. That's I don't also even really understand what it means. That doesn't um, make sense. <laughs> it's basically uh, Gen Z witchcraft, but that's what you're meant to do as you put it on, and it gives you. A, and I think it's a timing thing, and it gives you an excess of blush. But I've always had an excess of blush because you I have, look you have, dead yeah. without it, like Viney. No, no, I do. I mean, I like. A, I personally like a like like a sort of. Um, 
one of those I don't like a powder blush I like a gel blush or a or a what's I it called honestly say so hand on heart blush. I've never used it in my entire blush. life a cream blush I've never used blusher in my entire life well you're missing out no. okay I think we need to pin Imogen down it is life-changing. Before I did it, I had a lovely, also Brummy tutor at Oxford. Mm. He used to say, are you sure you're all right? Um, because he thought I had galloping consumption. Yeah. And as soon as I started using blusher, not only did people not think I was dying, but, you know, people found me attractive and things. Do you think it's a skin tone thing? Because yeah, I'm freckly. Yes, I'm freckly. you see, I think both Hannah and I are quite sort of pale. Pale. And, and I'm not. And you're not. If no. you've got one of those contrast looks, so Viney mm. Vine and I have have pale skin and dark hair then I think it is essential otherwise you do look sort of like a black and white photocopy if you if you've got a, a sort of more tonal look mm, that's say with freckles then mm. I mean I think it I think it's I think it's very nice but I don't think it's quite the lifeline it is mm. I just look like I have up. too much cider if I do that <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, if you like a rouge, though, if you like mm. a cream blush, mm. do try the Jones Road ones, because I have never liked <gasps> a cream blush. Okay, can I say something quickly? I, yeah. I did actually buy some of those the other day, and I put it on my face, and I went out, and I literally looked like I'd been in a sauna. It was, I don't know what I'd done. I was shiny. And it was, someone said Jones to me, Road, Jones, someone said to me at a party, are you all right? I went, why, what's wrong? And it was all sticky. <laughs> it was all sticky, and... Do you know what I do for blusher though? Maybe I'd put too I much just, on. <laughs> I just use lipstick. I use whatever lipstick I'm using and I just put well, it on my cheeks. that's a tricky trick and mm. I'd never been able to do that until I tried the Jones Road um, blush mm. brush. Right. And suddenly it's opened up a whole realm of rather exciting blush looks mm. for me. But before that I'd put it on and it would sort of destroy my foundation and then disappear. Yes. Whereas if you use a blush brush with, by Jones Road it actually does work i just use my um, fingers dab dab mm. dab yeah you see that vanishes on me i, I it doesn't work i've yeah. always loved a powder blush yeah um and i i am very happy to put too much on it's kind of my thing <laughs> and i love it to be very pink i like i do what the uh, i do what bobby brown herself does a pop which of is a color blush. yes a pop of yes color. so i do a sort of my blush colour, you know, yeah. the colour I go if I ever did exercise, which I don't. No. And then I add a little pop of something even brighter. Yes. And yeah. I have to say, without it, I do look a bit dead. <laughs> um, okay. I, I need it. Well, Jones Road, I, I recommend any old lipstick in the bottom of your handbag. You can just use that as blush. If, if you've got... It, I do think with a brush it it makes a difference because honestly i couldn't do that before so where but you it put it pretty. where do you put a lot of people get, put a it? lot of people get blusher wrong where do you put it so you're supposed to put it on the apples of your cheeks is that correct yes i find it helpful to do a fake smile yes to um to find out where <laughs> if to it's just it. doing a brilliant fake smile at yeah, i also find it useful to have had a bit of thinner uh you know full disclosure <laughs> <laughs> don't that try that at home very folks. easy um, but actually, there's an article, if you Google, there's an article by the stylist team currently where they have 18 different cool millennial blusher looks. Okay. And I, I can't really go there. I mean, some of them are sort of bottom of the face. Some of them go up. They go in strange. I mean, it, it's all, I think 
at our age, you mm. need something that goes up, 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 and that mm. has a bit of cheekbone. And yes. I mean, it's got a relationship to some sort of cheekbone. Yes. But yes, the apples of the cheek. So if you do a sort of big, beamy, fake smile, then those apples should appear. <laughs> yes. But just try and do something flattering and lifting. You right. know, don't make it too low on the face. No. And try not to make it too human league. I think that's another... <laughs> problem we make yes. you know at our age there is that sort of new streak. romantic yes streak. if you're not careful yeah. don't use the brush in the pot because that will give you a stripe yes. and then blend it up into the hairline so okay. up 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 ladies um <laughs> but i i do i do i mean it's funny i found it quite hard to write about because for me it's so self-evidently brilliant mm. that i don't understand why anyone would I mean I do think when you get a little bit older and one's complexion is quite sallow mm. as I find yeah. it is it is a very useful tool it is so but what happens if you're just freckly and red and look like you've already been I, for a I jog I Blush I think a peachy blush. You nice. need a peachy blush. You need a peachy I blush. Do I? Well, nothing. Here we are. Here's, here's the here's the uh, the strategic I think one day. question. Imogen. Do you mm. use bronzer? Yes. Well, you see, I mean, that is probably taking the place of your blush. And if you mm. had a slightly more corally, bronzy, blushy thing, mm. you're probably using bronzer instead. Mm. I just use bronzer underneath my chin in order to try and get rid of the three that I've got there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I've got a new thing under my chin. And I think it might be what in Ali McBeal was called a what or a waddle or whatever whatever that man had a fetish about anyway it's not very nice thank you hannah that was very informative um i might go on that other podcast and talk about my ghostly experience i think you should should. i would love to have you yeah it'd have to be a three-parter there and i better go down to boots to get some blusher yes i'll take (laughs) you down to boots thank you very much hannah lovely to speak to you bye that was the daily mail's beauty guru and ghostly expert Hannah Betts. It was really good, that podcast. You should go and listen to it. Oh, I will, yeah. It's called Uncanny. Mm-hmm. It's a very good theme tune. Is it? Do we have a theme tune? No, we do. We, we do. It's a sort of salsa. Oh, oh okay. It's a sort of jaunty salsa. Oh, okay. That's, that's good. Us. Jaunty. Good. Jaunty, jaunty salsa, salsa. ladies. <laughs> if you enjoy listening to The Half Hour, why not visit mailplus.co.uk slash subscribe to get access to all of our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more. If you want to get in touch, tweet us at mailplus, me at Westminster Wag or Imogen at Imogen EJ. You have been listening to the Female Half Hour with me, Sarah Vine and Imogen Evans-Jones. Thank you for listening. <laughs>